Hello, and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today, I'm speaking to Sam Coles. Hello, Sam. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thank you. So the goal of this podcast is to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey, to get some insight Mm -hmm. into the tools and techniques that have helped you and are available and accessible to other people. And by discussing your journey, we hope to share and normalise conversations about mental health, as often people are not alone in in these experiences. Does that sound okay with you? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. So over to you. Please tell us about your mental health journey. Okay. Um, So... I suppose my mental health journey has run parallel with my physical health um, because about um, three or four years ago, I was uh, diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, which is, um, it's a rheumatoid arthritis, which is mostly uh, it's inflammation in the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of focused in the ceriliac joint, which is right at the base of the spine. Um, but it can go into other areas. Like I also have it in my knees and my rib cage. Mm. Um, and I suppose I've always had quite severe back pain um, pretty much since I was a teenager, mm. early 20s. Um, without giving my age away. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I took a long time before uh, I was diagnosed because I kept sort of... Um, uh, well, I was going to the doctor a lot and they were saying back pain is very common. Um, and yeah, it took it quite a long time before I was actually diagnosed with AF. Um, mm. And it's funny because I think that as, as soon as I was diagnosed, I felt like my mental health just went right down. Um, I really struggled to think, like, how am I going to live with this thing? Uh, you know, I'm re- relatively young and it's just going to get worse. And how am I going to live my life like this? How can I be in this much pain every single day? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot know, was, to live with. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, I felt like I was missing out on not trying to be somebody that didn't have this, this illness um, was really exhausting. Um, trying to ignore it, trying to act like I was okay all the time. And, and so, yeah, it, and so it was really, it was really tough to sort of wrap my head around, around that. Um, and that's when you got the diagnosis. So pr- prior to that, from your teenage years, you just thought it was, you, well, you had no idea, but you thought it might be some back pain or something. But as soon as you got that definitive, and it, was it also that, that, that the nature of the condition, like you said, it is progressive. So am I right in thinking you can cope with it, uh, but it will never get better? Yeah, um, and it's unbelievably daunting to be told you have this thing, there is no cure. Mm. Um, there are some things we can do, but not a lot. Um, and it's just, it, and it, it was such a strange feeling because for so long I was trying to figure out what was wrong. And, you know, I had uh, a physiotherapy because they thought I had a slip disc. Mm. Uh, they thought something was trapped on a, a nerve or something. Um, and this went on and on and on. And I felt like it was so frustrating to not get a clear answer about what, what was wrong with me. Um, and then when I had it, I was like, Oh, can it, can it be something else? (laughs) Something that can be fixed with, you know, I don't know, some antibiotics or an operation Mm. or something. Um, 
So I don't, you know, and I did what most people do in that situation. I googled, uh, you know, ankylosing spondylitis, and Google showed you the worst, yeah, the worst case it's not scenario. Very helpful, is it? No, it's not. Doctor Google is not a good doctor. Um, and yeah, and it was it was really really tough, and I, you know, I didn't know how it was going to affect my relationship, um, my friendships. Uh, I felt a lot of sort of I could tell that a lot of people felt, you know, I, I was getting a lot of pity from people who were close to me, which was really lovely, and I know that their hearts were in the right place, but I I was finding it really, it was all just very overwhelming and. Mm. I didn't want, I just didn't want to have it. And I didn't want to admit that this is what's going on. And I didn't mm. want to, I just, I just thought, oh, I can manage this. Um, it's not real. It's not really happening. And I feel like because I was trying so hard to ignore it, that it was sort of all come crashing down every now and then. Usually when I was having quite a bad flare up, I was, you know, because I would struggle to walk. Um, I couldn't dress myself very well. It was, it, it wasn't just a sort of small pain. It was pretty yeah. much. You know, I was out for full body. Yeah, yeah. And, and needing needing other support. To, for example, like you yeah. said, to help get dressed and. Yeah. So um, my boyfriend, um, who uh, I live with, he, yeah, would you know, he's in a very very patient man, and he, um, yeah, he'd have to help me get dressed. He'd have to help me uh, wash my hair, um, and so a big part of that was that, um, it, you know, I felt so dependent on other people which was really hard as well because and I just kept thinking it'll get worse it'll get worse and it was getting bigger and bigger in my head um and it yeah it it was it was really really hard to to deal with and I feel like when I first got got diagnosed as well and I was telling people that a lot of people were really supportive to a certain point and then it's like I think that because it is a chronic illness that people forget, which is, you know, that's normal. That's, you know, that's life that everyone is more focused on their own mm. shit than they are any, everyone else's. But it would just be little things that, you know, I'd be out with friends and I'd be thinking, oh, I, I'm not sure if I can walk up those stairs yeah. or and things like that. I know that people would forget and I'd have to sort of quietly say to somebody, oh, can I hold on to you while we walk up the stairs? Yeah. I need a bit of help. Um, you know, and then people, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't and, forget. <laughs> I, I, and this is like, this is when you're in your kind of early to mid twenties as well, when you're going out. And also as well, like, you know, for, from knowing you also, you know, you love exercise, you love the gym and that, you know, that, you know, that diagnosis and the way that you change your life, that must have affected pretty much all of your life every day. Mm. Yeah. And it was, um, especially the exercise thing, because that's probably one of the main things that I've always used to help if I'm stressed, if I'm anxious, if I'm feeling, you know, pretty low, if mm -hmm. I'll do anything, uh, even, you know, just like a, a walk. Um, I just think moving yourself in any way that feels good, it does, well, for me, definitely, it does make, it improves my mood, it improves my mental health. Um, the routine of it really helps as well. Mm -hmm. And, when I was given this diagnosis again, I was thinking, "Well, oh, that's my that's my main um, yeah. coping mechanism, and it's been taken away. So how am I going to cope with this awful thing when it impacts the thing yeah. that I used to cope?" Yeah. Um, 
exercise actually is very very beneficial for um well for all types of um inflammatory arthritis mm -hmm. um so if anything it gives me a bit of an extra push because sometimes if i'm feeling really like sort of having a, a rough patch and i'm yeah. finding it hard um and i just think oh, I, you know i don't want to get out of bed i'm in so much pain then i think oh well if you if you just walk uh, you know get out of bed and take a couple of steps that will be um that will kind of help and the longer that you don't move the worse it will get so it's it's almost like it's i've tried to look at it as like almost a positive thing that some days when i'm thinking oh i can't bother doing anything i'm gonna stay in bed i'm gonna eat pizza i'm gonna watch netflix i think i'll pay for this tomorrow because i won't yeah. be able to move so it's like no come on get up put your trains on go outside <laughs> and is it something that you can feel so for example when you do do the exercise is it is, is it painful to start off with but then does it immediately start to help or is it something that would just be helpful let's say like you said the next day um it depends um sometimes i've been biting back tears because it's been so painful for the first five minutes and then fine i mean i've crawled to the gym at some point um, and then walked out completely fine as if as if I'm you know don't have anything wrong um, and other times it has been too bad and I you know said this is this, I can't carry on anymore so I'm just gonna stop and go and rest instead so it's taken me quite a long time to kind of figure out what's right in my body because um, a lot of the time I'd push through the pain and then sometimes that would work like a charm and other times I'd be bedridden for two days mm. um so it's really a lot of trial and error um and it, it like i said i've you know i've been diagnosed this for a couple of years now um i am i do take um biologic injections um which hugely help and but there's another added element with that in that uh because of these biologics they uh, suppress your immune system so it's quite a scary thing to know that you're actively suppressing your immune system because you're obviously at high risk of um, picking things up. Which actually. I suppose at the moment, like yeah. <laughs> that must have added a huge extra weight of anxiety as well. Yeah, it did, and um, yeah, and it, it it's quite hard to um, you, you forget sometimes that you you are immunocompromised because. Oh, you know it's not something that you are aware of uh, yeah. you can't feel it can of. you yeah exactly yeah. and um yeah and they again like even though they've been so helpful like they have really really uh they've changed my life pretty much um they have had they do have quite bad side effects and for me um it was a lot of weight gain um i felt my like i've always kind of struggled with anxiety and i felt it getting a lot worse while i was on them right. which uh is uh, quite well a fairly common side effect as i understand um so even though they've helped with my mobility there's been a lot of other setbacks and sometimes yeah. you know i can think oh, why can't you know like why me and all that yeah. um but so so how do you so like you said if, if the exercise is not taken away with you but it's restricted in terms of your coping like how have you found like ways have you found new ways to cope um i wouldn't say i found i would always go to the gym mm -hmm. and 
when I couldn't I'd have to reassess what and my way of like getting rid of my stress and my pent upness would be sort of uh like very high impact training heavy weight training which those two things I just I just can't do anymore um and so I I had to hugely adjust what it is I actually do because I, I just couldn't do those things um and yeah and I guess that you know sometimes I used to kind of I suppose I'd got a little bit obsessive about having to do this routine of you know I have to do this I have to do a certain amount of time in the gym and I have to do a certain amount of rep all that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and now I don't know I feel like because I have to kind of rethink about how I'm doing it it's made me feel like it's not about uh trying to beat a personal best or anything it's just about moving my body in a way that feels comfortable in a way that feels good and that will hopefully make me feel better and actually that that sounds like a, a kind of like a smarter way to to train and exercise like to 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 work out how you feel on the day and to adapt in terms of the exercises you're doing or how you're feeling um and if you've got more energy or less energy and that doesn't yeah. necessarily need to apply to let's say for like yourself which is you need to adapt you have to adapt but actually for for, for anyone as well you don't need to stick to these routines you don't need to do x y and z you can mm. you can you know as long as you're there and you're doing working as hard as you can in whatever way you're doing it, it doesn't matter if it's small or large you know it, you know it, it's serving its purpose yeah exactly and um it's more enjoyable as well that's a good point I, it's you know i wasn't putting the pressure on myself yeah. or anything i was just doing it because it's something i enjoy um and yeah and i suppose um kind of in that in that vein i had uh i also had um a double mastectomy um in oh it's i think it might be six months today Six months tomorrow, I had a double vasectomy. Yeah, and uh, that hugely impacted the way that I was able to move. I mean, I couldn't move my arms for, I'd say, a good six, seven weeks. So, again, I had, you know, my parents and my boyfriend did everything for me. Um, You know, I couldn't, I was like this the whole time, so I couldn't do anything. Um, And and just to put it into context, um, your double vasectomy wasn't, was it related to your like you said your arthritis or is that something completely separate um it's completely separate it is um i've got the BRCA2 gene mutation which means um that i was at a very incre- increased risk of breast cancer um i think it's if you have the gene mutation i can't remember the exact percentage but it's mm. i think it's between 60 and 85 percent um which is incredibly high incredibly high I mean the way that I had a fantastic surgeon um and you know the the NHS is just incredible the amount of support that they offered for my whole experience was just it was unbelievable um you know I had a lot of consultations with a lot of different people and one thing that always stuck with me is one of the one of the many many people I spoke to sort of said if somebody says to you there's a 60 to 85 percent chance of rain you're taking your umbrella and I thought yeah so um it wasn't it wasn't an easy decision in terms of whether or not i was going to do it because i always knew that i would um and my family history is my mum had breast cancer 
um, when I was, I think she was diagnosed when I was about just in high school, so about 15 or 16. Um, and she had treatment and then uh, she was tested for the gene mutation, found out she had it. So she had a double mastectomy. Um, I'm not actually sure if it was in that order because I was, it was quite a while ago. Um, and during that time as well, my auntie had uh, breast cancer and uh, she had it once um, and then it came back and she passed away. I think, again, I was, I think about 17 or 18. So it was, it was really close. I can always remember it was really sort of close together. It was almost, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was really, I, you know, and it, I'm so sorry it was just, to hear that. oh, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, not a good time. But, um, but yeah, like, from, from what you were saying, it, you know, two people in your family, your mum and your auntie, like I was doing, doing some research before and one in seven women will, 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 will get breast cancer, as, mm. you know, in the UK. That's an enormous percentage. And, and like you said, when you've got this gene, that, that increases your odds to 60 to 85%. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. And for, 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 my, for my research, it's the leading, it's a leading cause of death for women under 50. In the UK, mm. I mean, it's it's incredibly prevalent. Yeah, and in terms of the age thing as well, my um, my mum and my aunt, I think they both had it before they were forty. So, um, which isn't as common. I, it does happen, but it's not quite as common. Um, so, when I turned thirty, uh, it was almost like I felt like it was like TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, um, and when I was, so my mum's kind of always sort of said to me, you should get tested for this gene because mm. it's, it's, you know, there's a, a fair possibility. So the fact that I had the gene wasn't a shock. I mean, I remember I went in, um, it's just a simple blood test to have, uh, to have the test. Um, and again, it's sort of on the NHS. I think if you have a, a strong history of breast cancer in your family and people have the gene mutation, then you can be tested um yeah and they you know they said when you get the results you can uh come in and speak with a counselor and I was I just said no just send me a letter because I said to them I I'm almost positive that I will have this gene so don't you know I'm I'm prepared so just send me a letter mm. and then I can remember when I got the letter and I was like oh my god I do actually have it um and, and this was on top of the arthritis yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of like I almost felt like I was slowly getting my head around the arthritis thing, yeah. and then that happened, and I was like, "Oh!" Um, and that's an yeah. enormous amount to process, you know, yeah. at, at 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 your age. Let's be honest, and you know, it's it's a huge amount to to to, to try and take on and cope with. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, okay, um, but I think, like, like you were saying, like, you know, and I think the question is, is how, how, how did you? What was the process? How, how did you cope from a, you know, because it's, I mean, it's a, you know, a, a huge thing to deal with. Yeah, well, it's quite weird because I always think of these two things. Like I said, they, 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 they're like these two constant things in my life that will always be a part of me, and they are so intertwined with my mental health, and it's weird because the arthritis is like this kind of I don't want to say a low level but it's a constant thing that I'm dealing with and sometimes it's worse and sometimes it's 
Uh, sometimes it's worse and sometimes yeah. it's better. Um, but it's it's always there. Whereas the the mastectomy was like a huge thing that was very sort of compacted and it was it was sort of like it two very different things to deal with and um again like the nhs was were just brilliant i had um counseling um i don't know if that's before the correct word but i saw a um you had a, like, some talking therapy of some kind yeah, yeah yeah um and you you have to have this uh, a few sessions i think to be to to make sure that they understand that that as a patient you understand what it is that happens to you because i know that some people think oh it's a boob job on the nhs but it's not it's it's almost like saying oh uh, you know don't bother getting hair extensions just shave your head and wear a wig like it's too it's you know it, uh, but i never i think because i saw my mum go through it and i knew you know, i I feel like from the start, I always kind of had a, a good understanding of what a what a big thing it was going to be. But um, yeah, I can't. The, the counselling sessions I had were just. I was very sceptical um, because I didn't think it would do anything. I thought, how can how can talking to somebody about all this do anything? And I sort of would go in there and I'd sort of say the things I thought I was supposed to say and and not really you know i was given a couple of exercises that i would try and do and i used to just think this this isn't me and then i, I think it was when i got the date for my surgery and uh i had a, a therapy session quite soon after i'd got the date and i went in i think i just cried for two hours <laughs> um and i just had it you know i sort of stopped pretending like oh it's fine oh i knew i'd have it oh it's not a big deal and i sort of just said yeah, no, it's a really big deal and I'm not coping well with it. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it was weird because one of the, almost when I admitted that I'm not coping, I, I can't deal with all this, um, it all got so much easier because it was like I was holding it in and trying Just to act like I was okay. And I suppose, for myself, for the people around me who are worried, um, you know, I should kind of be like, this is fine, this is fine. Um, and then as soon as I let it go, I was like. <laughs> um, and, and there's a there's a there's a very distinct feeling when you let it go, doesn't yeah. it? It feels it almost feels like your mind, like you said, is not clenching anymore. It, you, yeah, yeah. You you let that issue go, and the issue's still there, but mm. you're able to. I don't know it's not it's not it doesn't affect you as much anymore it's a strange exactly. feeling yeah and one of the like I, i'm quite a visual person and um one of the the best bits of advice that i had from uh my therapist who was just wonderful um is that he said you know picture that you're on holiday you're in a swimming pool and you're holding um like an inflatable ball um, and in my head i always pictured um you know those inflatable drinks holders that you can get now? <laughs> well, when I went on holiday with my friends and I got a pink flamingo inflatable drinks holder. So in my head, it's a pink flamingo it's a pink inflatable flamingo. drink holder. <laughs> um, yeah, and he said, you know, if you're holding your pink flamingo um, and you're trying to push it under the water in the swimming pool, you're using all your energy and all your effort mm. to try and keep it under water. when 
if you just let go, it would just bob around and you'll be able to get on with things and have a nice time on your holiday. Mm-hmm. You can have a drink, you can have a selfie with your friends, you can do whatever you want to do. Whereas if you're holding it all the time, you can't, you can't do anything else because you're just holding it. It's a really and, good visualization. Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, and sometimes when you're swimming in the pool, your, your flamingo is going to bob back over and it might knock into you and you're going to be annoyed that it's come back again. And you're, you're thinking, oh, I thought I had got rid of you. Why have you come back? And, and it, I was, it was just like something clicked in my head. And I thought yeah. that's what it's like. You know, I feel like me personally, I've always thought, okay, I'm feeling really anxious today. My heart's beating really fast. I've got butterflies. I don't know why. I feel really irritable and really wound up and I don't know why. And I have to do something about it. I have to get rid of it. I have to not have it anymore. Yeah. Whereas that's not, that's not the case. You have to just acknowledge that, well, for me, it's like, okay, I'm feeling this way, but why am I feeling this way? Maybe I just need to let myself feel that way for a little while and let it pass. Or if it doesn't pass, just know that it, will eventually pass whereas I don't know a couple of years ago I when I was feeling really low or anxious or anything I just I think I'm going to feel this way forever this is me forever this is something that is just going to be terrible forever and Mm. um yeah and it, it that one uh analogy of the the flamingo really yeah it felt like a puzzle clicking together in my brain because um also did did it help like you know you know you know you're 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 a very humorous person um (laughs) um, did it help it being you know that 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 red flamingo from marbella for example was it was it you know was it was it helpful just to for for it to be quite quite funny and just to say actually hold on like you know this this is something which i can not necessarily it's very serious but i can still laugh at it and you know in, in in some situations yeah and it made it seem like something really uh like frivolous which yeah. i'm not saying that like you know mental health is i'm not uh, that's not what i'm trying to equate mm. them but it made it seem like something much less scary yeah and much less it felt like something i could deal with like it's like oh this yeah. pink flamingo like oh yeah i can deal with that when, <laughs> when you talk about i've like... seen a lot of them <laughs> because mental health obviously isn't a tangible thing it feels really hard to to do something with because you can't see it you can't hold it you can't touch it it's just a feeling it's just you know it's all internal whereas for me picturing it as an actual thing that I was holding and had to let go of I was like oh Mm. yeah that's what I can do (laughs) and you have power over what object you visualize isn't it so that you know it's a very that that approach is very personalized for everyone for everyone Mm. you know know, how would you how would you say to you know someone else you know how would you interpret that and 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 not advise them but kind of (laughs) say look this the tips that i use you know pick something funny or or something that you can relate to make it make it seem much smaller so that you can deal with and cope with it Mm. um i suppose it, I suppose it depends on what type of person, because he did give me another visualization thing. Whereas it was a guided meditation, which I've always, I've, I've always been awful at meditation. I tried my absolute best because I know that a lot of people just swear by it. But 
I just and I'd get frustrated for myself because I couldn't do it and I couldn't switch my brain off and I know that's the reason why you do it but I was getting more and more annoyed that I couldn't but we we did a session and he was saying about um you're next to a stream and there's leaves floating by in the stream and he, you know he was saying that these are your worries and you're putting them in the leaves and they float away mm-hmm. down the stream so I don't know I think for me it's it's visualizing something that seems so frazzled in your brain and so hard to pick out and and break down it and especially with the lead up to my surgery it was sort of I I was just so worried about so many things but when I was picking it apart it was it seemed like much more manageable like um you know so oh I'm not gonna be able to move my arms I'm not gonna be able to do anything oh my god I'm gonna I'm gonna put on even more weight and I'm not gonna be able to do any exercise and all that spiraled something in my head and and then I thought well no just scale it back and you can you can do very very small things and the one thing that I know that I I do as a sort of coping mechanism is to have some control over things that seem really out of my control so I the back to uh, after my surgery I knew that I wouldn't be able to move my arms so I spent a day in my flat basically moving everything out of any top shelf so that I would be able to reach things at all time and I thought this is a present from past Sam to future Sam and future Sam will appreciate this when she can't when she can't do anything um so and there's an element there of being kind to your future self right yeah yeah and um yeah and just yeah I suppose like just thinking about what things that I can control and what things I can't so I couldn't control the fact that I couldn't move my arms like that was just that happened and that I was told that was that would happen um it wasn't actually quite wasn't as bad as I thought it would be Mm. and after about four weeks I was able to lift my arm up in the air and I went in to see the surgeon and I told him this fantastic news and he was like but you're not supposed to because it can do something to the implant or something I was like uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so you went in you know almost trying to impress him yeah look yeah. I can do this teacher's pet <laughs> <laughs> but he was like please don't do that anymore I was like oh okay <laughs> um, yeah and I suppose back to just what uh when I was speaking to the therapist is that one really weird thing of it kind of um I always remember about that period because the build-up to the surgery was far worse than the actual surgery far 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 worse I mean the surgery I don't know because I was asleep Um, and the recovery was was tough but because it was a a physical pain that I had and a a thing that I had to work towards getting over I, I just felt like I could deal with it don't like don't get me wrong I had a fair few wobbles because like sometimes I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, I, I've got these big old scars and um, mm. I was very swollen, I was very bruised. Um, I, I just didn't, I didn't know. It was really hard to look at myself because I just didn't know who, it just didn't feel like me. And I, mm. it was it's very a hard. It's of you, isn't it? 
yeah exactly and it was um it just took a lot of adjusting so I, you know I did I did struggle with it but no one near as bad as before uh the surgery and I think I always think if I could have just told myself before like you know you will get through this and you will be okay but I know hindsight is a wonderful thing mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was weird because yeah this this might sound a bit morbid but in the lead up to it especially until like the week before when I had you know a lot a lot of people were just fantastic like really rallying around me and just being so amazing and I it, and it was it meant so much to me but at the same time it was always in the back of my head like you still have to do it <laughs> so you're still the one that is going to go through this and you will go through it alone because because even though I physically have people near me and especially my mum who had you know is able to empathize a lot more than other people because she um you know she understands it because been through uh well worse herself um but you know I just kept thinking like no one can do it for me I have to do it myself um and that's something that I I try to apply to other things when I find them challenging and that you know no one can do this for me like yeah I find it hard but I will get through it just like I got through that and like what is the worst that could happen um if and it I mean this in like very small things you know like uh, trying something in work that might not come off or uh, you know it and I think well what what's the worst that could happen whereas I think a couple of years ago I used to wind myself up and uh yeah would maybe make things a bigger problem than they probably were um so now do you you actively and consciously try and put things in perspective which is a very hard thing to do especially when you're in yeah it is really hard and I think that you know I think my mental health was much much worse before I had this operation um uh, I feel like it was a really big thing that was really hard to deal with but it's taught me a lot of of things that I've been able to apply Mm. to other areas of my life um and like I said it's it's strange with with the arthritis because that is again a very a a very challenging thing but in a completely different way and I still have my bad days where I think why me why do I have to have this stupid thing and you know and then I, I just I just let myself have that you know yeah. I just think well yeah it is it is crap but tomorrow yeah. won't be as crap and maybe next week you'll have another crap day but you don't want to have you don't have is, a crap is, life exactly yeah and yeah did, did, does that motivate you to does it motivate you to think actually like that there are there are there are sporadic days which are really bad but does it say okay well actually well, how can I make this you know this day a little bit better what can I do to try of you know to try and boost my mental health make myself feel good yeah um for me the the, the biggest thing that I've learned is letting it be bad for a while and I feel like if I had again before the operation if I was stressed I'd be like this 
and then my back pain would get a lot worse because I'm very tense yeah and then I'd be stressed about how my back is bad or getting worse because I'm stressed and I'm stressed because something else but now I'm stressed about my back and um and I would try really really hard to not be stressed and to not be whatever um whereas now I almost just let it let it happen and let mm. let myself feel anxious stressed depressed whatever because those are natural feelings it's not like yes. we can just push those away it's like no you know it, but being anxious or being stressed it tells you something and yeah. you can't just deny those feelings you you, you 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 listen to them and accept them that okay there's stuff going on that i needed to perhaps just think about and just observe and watch yeah yeah exactly and it's um like trying to act like it's not happening for me it would go on for days and days and days and days i'd be feeling really stressed and really wound up and i had no release for a long time because now if i'm feeling a bit a bit like that i just think oh i'm gonna go and have a lie down and i'm gonna have a cup of tea and just lie down by myself i don't want to talk to anybody and yeah. and i feel like i would get over it far quicker than i used to because i'm allowing myself to feel a bit a bit rubbish excuse me for a few hours um instead of trying to I don't know, put on a face and so so yeah, and in some respects is that I mean it sounds like you know you're being more kind to yourself. You know, I I, yeah. I, I, I know we've said that before, but you're kind of saying, Do you know what, Sam, I you know, it's okay to feel this. You've got a lot going on, like just you know, make yourself a cup of tea and go and go relax for 15, 20 minutes, see how you feel. Yeah. And funnily enough, it was something that uh the therapist but uh for the breast care therapist that I had he said, oh, you're really hard on yourself. Um, and I, I, you know, I was like, oh, but I think everyone is. And he was like, but you're going through a very big thing mm. and you have another big thing that will still be going on, you know, throughout, throughout that. Because, um, you know, that was another kind of, another thing that I was worrying about because I couldn't have the arthritis injections uh, in the lead up to right. the surgery. God, I couldn't have stressful. them. Yeah, because then I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to move. Whereas, and my arthritis is going to get much worse because I can't move. Um, it was all fine. Morphine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> so, so, but, but, but in order to cope for that, did you w w did you use morphine as a painkiller to suppress to suppress the pain, so you were able to cope in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I was. Yeah, uh, that was when I was in hospital so I was in hospital yeah. for a week so you know and they give you painkillers around the clock and morphine um and a funny thing happened that I was I was discharged from hospital I was given some antibiotics to take and was told to keep taking painkillers I kept waiting for my back to to rear its ugly head and it just didn't like my it felt fine and and I was probably the most um uh I just I just didn't move for because yeah. I couldn't for the longest time um, and I kept thinking it's going to get so bad because I'm not moving and I actually think it's because when I came out the other side of it I was like oh, and because I wasn't holding all this stress yeah that my bones were okay for a while and um, I actually had a extended period where I wasn't taking the biologic injections mm -hmm. partially because uh, that was when lockdown uh and I you know I was thinking oh well I've had a couple of a couple of months without taking them and it's been okay so I'm gonna 
carry on so that I'm not completely immunosuppressed. Um, and it was fine. I've got I've gone back on them now because it started creeping back in again. And again, I think in the past I'd spiral with that. I'd I'd think, oh my god, it's come back. This is the worst thing ever, and it's going to be bad forever. I, don't get me wrong; it did. It came back uh, terribly in my knees, um, and the, you know it's quite frustrating when it when it comes in places where. I haven't struggled with it too much in the past because right. I think this is another new area in my body that is not working properly. Mm. Um, yeah, whereas usually I'd try, try to ignore it, try to hold the flamingo and push it under and pretend it's not happening. Whereas I was just like, this is shit. This really hurts. I can't walk properly. So I ran my rheumatologist and went back on the injections and it was... And it helped. Yeah, really helped. And it, I, again, I thought... Usually I'd let it get so much worse before I asked for help, but I yeah. just, I just thought this isn't a way to live. So I'm going to ask for the help. And, 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 and do you find that the experience you had with your mastectomies um, and the talking, like the talking therapy and the visualizations, the kind of the, the tools that you gain from that have helped you deal with the arthritis in a more productive way now? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, and I feel like the biggest thing that I, apart from the visualization, but the fact that it just felt so okay to not be okay. And it was just, I just felt like it was really fine to be like, I'm struggling. And um, yeah, and it, a weird thing that I, I have kind of thought about, and this has been on my mind, you know, I knew that we were, we were speaking and um, is that I'm, when I was first uh, diagnosed with the ankylosing spondylitis, I, I went on antidepressants and uh, the GP that I spoke to did say to me, do, do you feel like you needed these before or do you feel like you just need them because of this diagnosis? And I said, I think I did need them before, but I didn't feel like I should because I almost felt like when I was given when I had something, an excuse that I went in and I asked for the help because I felt like I could pinpoint it on something. Yeah. So in some ways, I think people who are, who are struggling and don't know why and don't know, you know, that they can't attribute their, their mental health problems to a physical health problem. And I think that is just so much harder because you don't feel, you don't feel like you want to ask for help maybe I certainly didn't I felt like oh I can deal with this by myself and then it was almost when I was diagnosed with something bigger yeah that physical thing that was documented um it enabled you to go okay I can have help now yeah and I, I think I, it yeah. was it was interesting to me that the GP I asked you know mm. and, and I did I did say I think I needed these before and mm. I just didn't want to ask and I I don't know why because yeah, and you, you mentioned like you said like you wanted to do it yourself was it a pride thing was it because yeah. you know, we talk what lock about stigma of mental health was it a stigma was it so or was it or was it completely personal you said like, no actually no I want to I want to deal deal with this stuff on my own well it's I think that mental health is I feel like it's become less 
of a taboo to talk about I feel like people are a lot more open about it I mean like my friends and um family we you know it's something that you talk about and but I still do think that while people talk about it more it's such a different thing going into the doctor and saying yeah. I need help because you just I don't know what it is there's a the well for me personally I felt like there was a barrier and it was mm. like you couldn't ask for I, I don't know what it was it was like I, I, a lot of me have also thought that there's people who need it more or you know other people have it a lot worse than I do so I I kind of can't ask for for help with this which isn't you know it's pointless comparing yourself to somebody else because mm everyone has their different experiences of things and um and also it's difficult to to ask for help when because often you ask for help with something but yeah you don't know what that something is yeah exactly it's like very difficult like well what do you ask for yeah and i felt like i could go in there and even then it took me a very long time but i could go in there and say i was like those with this chronic illness and i'm not struggling and um, i am struggling um and I don't know what to do, um, and I want to. I need something to help, and mm. yeah. And I, I wonder if I ever would have, I ever would have done that. Um, and again, you know, like I sort of accidentally forgot <laughs> forgot to take. Uh, I, you know, I was taking my antidepressants up until um, my vasectomy. I actually increased because I was, you know, um, I was very, very, very worried. Um, you know, I'd never had any. I'd never been in hospital for any. Yeah. anything before um so I was yeah and while I was in hospital I um I wasn't taking them because I just forgot um it was just so far from um uh, I had them with me in my hospital bag mm. and you know they were I think they were next to me on the on the uh, table but I just didn't take them because I, I I just I didn't feel like I needed to and I also felt like I was so full of drugs that yeah. I just it was just so far from my mind and then I was discharged and then uh, I was then just thinking about the biologics um for the arthritis and I wasn't I was more just thinking about those and then it got to like four months and I thought I haven't I haven't taken them mm. um and I think I was only on I wasn't on them for that long I think a year maybe two years um and and I, ha I haven't taken them I haven't gone back on them um I know that they're there if I need them, but I'm not, I, yeah, I feel like it was kind of a happy accident that, that I stopped taking them. Not that I think there's anything wrong with taking them at all. Like I, I think anyone who thinks that they need them should definitely, mm -hmm. you know, seek that help. But it was more that it was quite nice in a way to not, to know that, okay, like maybe I have, gotten through it a bit and I'm able to manage all the things that are going on by yeah. myself yeah um which is amazing suppose... frankly oh thanks <laughs> but it is it really is and um, I think we, we, we were chatting just before we started about you saying that reaching out to a community helped mm. oh yeah so um <laughs> I was a bit of a creep um on Instagram um and I would uh, I follow the ankylosing spondylitis hashtag and the BRCA2 hashtag and uh, there are so many 
very very brave people who post about their journey with both things um and i follow them and i would um creepily message them um oh, but, but, and, but it's not creepy you're someone who's going through it yeah yeah and, you know it's, um, it's hi i'm i'm i you know i'm here i'm struggling <laughs> i'd love to reach out and connect with you yeah yeah um and you know no one ever responded as if like who is this girl messaging <laughs> me people are always happy to to have the shared experience because it makes you feel less alone and um yeah especially again the two very sort of different things but with the arthritis when I was first doing these uh, biologic injections because I, I do them myself um, once a fortnight uh, in my leg you can also do them in your tummy but that that's why I do them in my leg um, and a couple of times I would post things about the injections and you know I'd get little tips from other people who were doing them and I, I one tip that I had because you have to keep these injections stored in the fridge mm. and when I used to inject, it was so it used to sting and it was horrible. You have to hold it in your leg for ten seconds, and I, I'd be like grimacing because it was so painful and it was really, really stings. And this woman said to me, "Oh, if you take it out of the fridge for ten minutes, it's not as cold and it doesn't sting." And that changed my life. I could barely really? feel it then. Um, and that then, tiny little tip. Yes, tiny little tip, and it was wow. almost like I could do the injection. Like you know, I wouldn't even sort of flinch I do it while I was like chatting with my boyfriend about our days and yeah it wasn't it and it just completely changed everything um and again I accidentally I when I injected once and I spilt some of the the liquid and I put a picture of it on Instagram and I was like this is how much of the dose I've missed is it okay and I was just like inundated with advice and uh and it not just from the UK it was people from all over yeah um you know, some of them were in the US and they were saying, oh, I've got a number for a nurse here, but it probably won't do anything to you That's there. amazing. But people, people want to help and people... And very quickly, I imagine, as yeah, well. Oh, as so soon as you quickly. post, you're talking seconds where people are... Yeah. And you think, you know, if you call the nurse, um, you know, especially if it's like... I always do my injections kind of late in the evening because then I can sleep off, like, the worst of the side effects. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't want to call a nurse at, like, half nine, ten o'clock at night. Are they even there? Is this their personal number? Like, who would I... What if I don't speak to the same nurse who doesn't know any... What, you know, who I am and what medication I'm on? Uh, with, you know, Instagram, it's, like, instant. Um, it's such a powerful and, thing. We, we talk about... We, we think about Instagram in, in, in you know, in, in, you know of, of, of projecting our image of our own lives, of, of businesses marketing themselves, but actually there's a huge amount of help which can yeah. be gained from that from absolutely know, from, from from millions of people who might be going through a very similar experience yeah and you know i followed uh a few women who were um having double mastectomies as well yeah. uh one who i think she had hers about three months before mine and another woman who had hers the day before mine um and just like really specific advice and really like one was helping me pack my hospital bag and I've never ever met them in person we only communicate on Instagram and they were so valuable to my experience because um they just knew things that that uh, you wouldn't get from speaking yeah. to to say the nurse or the or your surgeon like they or like a leaflet that they give you it's somebody who's having a real experience and is saying oh my god you, you make sure you bring this because i was 
I really wished I had it the whole time yeah. I was in hospital and it's um yeah and it's um and they the two women that I mentioned were uh, braver than me because they they posted pictures of what they looked like after and it um don't get me wrong it I, it alarmed me because I thought it just looks painful it looks mm. swollen and there's a lot of bruising and you can see the stitches and everything but at the same time I, I felt prepared because I thought okay there's no second guessing mm. someone putting something, something like that out there um, and then when it happened to me I was like it's okay I, some, I've seen this mm. you know I know someone else that went through this and I know that this is normal and it's it's nothing to I know it won't look like this mm. forever um, whereas I think sort of without without that I could have been a lot more worried yeah absolutely. about how I was recovering and you know the the sensations that I was feeling and if they were right or wrong or yeah and I probably would have been <laughs> calling the hospital every two yeah. seconds if I hadn't had sort of you know that support network um and it was sort of like going back to what I was saying about uh how I had a a great deal of support and I'll always be grateful to the many people who were you know by my side throughout the whole thing um but it was just such a different type of support network having someone or pe some some people who were going through the exact yeah. same thing and they don't and need it, to be friends do they no no they no not no, at all they um, just need to have gone through it yeah and yeah and I think like sometimes I don't know. I think sometimes Instagram especially can get a bit of a, a bad rap because, you know, people paint the most perfect version of their life. Whereas, you know, I, I think if you look for it, there's so much yeah. more. There's people who are sharing very real things and mm -hmm. things that they might, um, you know, that someone who might never get in touch with them ever might just see it and think it, it can provide some comfort to somebody who's struggling. Mm -hmm um you know i know there's like a lot of mental health uh accounts like i follow quite a few that um uh, a couple that do really beautiful il illustrations yeah. about and it's just it's again it's a very visual thing and it's uh it just feels a bit more um relatable i suppose yeah. it's not you know like reading a it's not clinical it's not a hospital yeah 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 and, and do, it just and do you <laughs> Um, so now, so you've got those tips from the two women that you got from Instagram. Like now, for people listening who might be going through similar, like what, 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 what tips would you give them? Not in terms of the grand process, but those little things that that you would have never been told. Well, what was really useful for you? Um, <laughs> a lot of it was really <laughs> specific things about like what to pack in your hospital bag. So I don't know if that would be that much use. But um, one of the women who was really helpful uh, her name's Kristen she um she messaged me and she was like honestly when you get through the other side you'll think oh that wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be and she was like I know it's really hard to, to visualize that because she was like I'm the other side of it but you're the other side of it and she said she was you know the same as me she was very worried about the before but she said the after wasn't that bad she said it was a couple of weeks of being in bed, which was 
boring and frustrating and um a bit sad as well because you know I suppose you're adjusting to your new body and um you know you I suppose you feel a bit very strange and it's just a really weird thing to to you know to think about um yeah so she yeah that kind of always stuck with me that she was like it won't be as bad as your brain is telling you that it will be um she was like you'll cope and you could accept that because it's someone who'd been through it. It wasn't just someone who was just going, go, no, you'll be absolutely fine. This is like, no, I've been through it. You are going to be okay. It is not as bad as you think right now. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that she said it, she wasn't sort of all rainbows and sunshine. She didn't say, oh, you know, it'll be absolutely fine. You'll, yeah, like you said, you'll get through this. And it was more like it, it will be hard, but it will not be as hard as it is in your mind. Um, yeah. that you will you will be able to you will be able to deal with it yeah. and I did and, um, and, and you did and um, you know and like I mean god thank you so much for your time on and you know talking us through you I mean you have you've been through a huge amount like you know you are incredibly brave you really oh, are <laughs> you've, you've got and it's amazing to see your journey because you know th- th- this has all happened in a in a relatively short period of time in the matter of years and to yeah. see what you how to, how you said you were like before to how you are like now and in you know, and being able to articulate that and talking about the tools and the tips and that that have helped you so so intensely but also so quickly it's frankly amazing so you know, Sam Thanks. thank you so much for a fascinating and insightful conversation Thank you. (laughs) And thank you to everyone listening. Um, You can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Just search for Psychic Community or Psychic Stories and we'll pop up. Sam, thanks so much again. Thank you.